Okay, Namaste. So we have a question answer session with uh, these wonderful students from psychology, and I must say that I have seen batches since almost 2006 or seven. This is the best batch, not one of the best batch, so the best batch. But um, the condition of questions is one question per person. And I have used it like a game sometimes, just a little background. So when, uh, you know, people have questions, they have uh, all kinds of seekings. So sometimes I give this little game play that supposing you had a, uh, God came and you could give him a wish list. So people make their bucket list, what would you give them, give him? So they give a lot of things, okay? Then okay, uh, if he says that uh, you can ask only three, this too big a list even for God to fulfill because there will be many clashes and conflicts. So then you know, you work out, change the order. Then if you had only one wish, what would you ask? And the final question is if you have you had one wish and one moment, what would you ask? It's very interesting exercise that uh, how things change, priorities change. And at the end of it, it's like uh, whatever is that which you will ask if you have only one moment left is the real, um, real thing deep within. That's the core which very often we miss out. So this is the background. I hope I am not disturbing. You don't have one moment. You have a whole long life and have a beautiful life. So now you can ask the question. And sir, most of the answers that I wanted have been covered during this Yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand. But uh, I want to ask... You can even repeat. There is no problem. Hmm. I want to ask related to our one of the disorders that I've been always curious to know more is narcissistic personality disorder. Okay. And I want to know it from the lens of Indian psychology. Okay. So narcissistic personality disorder, and I hope you know how the name Narcissus came. There's a famous story of Narcissus and Goldmore. So as per the story, there was this man who got fascinated with his own image. Uh, which was reflected in the water and he would not move from there. And he would not move, he would not move till finally he drowned and jumped in the water and, um, you know, he died obviously. So this um, story has been extrapolated and one of the disorders described is narcissistic personality disorder which basically means an excessive preoccupation exclusively with your own self. So from the, if you take the standard yogic perspective, this is uh, obviously an acute egoistic condition. And what does it lead to? It leads to, uh, of course, the fact that you become more and more selfish, lack of consideration for others, which is what narcissistic people are. So, you basically love yourself to the exclusion of all others. But I don't even use the word love here. That's a mistaken understanding. Because when we use the word self-love, sometimes you will see this word floating around. If you don't love yourself, you can't love others. But well, loving the ego self is one thing and loving your true self is quite another thing. So, this is how one has to... Then we get another dimension of the story as... 
came to me when I read this novel quite some time back. So uh, basically, from the integral yoga or the yogic perspective in general, people who are too preoccupied with themselves are basically pretty miserable. So they suffer an undercurrent of depression, um, obviously anger. So you will see this in many of these people. They are extremely, there is always an undercurrent of depression running into this. Comes under a spectrum of disorders. One of them is narcissistic, right? And behind all these personality disorders in general, there is an undercurrent of depression. So uh, leaving aside now the term, so one of the reasons for depression is that we are too preoccupied with ourselves we are only thinking about ourselves and uh, um, even when we turn to God we want something and we are seeing what benefit it will bring to me that's why all these uh, you know um, where you give some money and learn a technique so that you can get this experience are in a certain sense non-starter. Because to be preoccupied with yourself is a misery. To know yourself is a different thing altogether. And that reminds me a small little story. So when someone went to meet Tagore, Rabindranath Tagore and wanted his signature, him to sign on one of the books, he first met his secretary, his name was Raja Subodh Malik. You may be aware the amount of money he gave for National College, etc. And, uh, he asked him, he was also quite a personality, that why don't you also sign something? So he signed, know thyself, know yourself, Subodh Malik. He was very happy, it's a very ancient wisdom. And then the book was taken to Tagore and Tagore saw it smiled and wrote below, forget yourself. <laughs> so forgetting oneself is one of the steps towards finding yourself, paradoxically. And uh, one of the simplest cure for misery and depression is to step out of yourself. Simple things. Even the most mundane things like window shopping helps you. Of course, work is a great purifier. Instead of brooding on oneself and, you know, just step out, work, something. Work is not just for money. It keeps you so beautifully and happily. Uh, do something for others. Step out. One of the best ways to cure depression is love. You know, if you ask me one force, energy that gives joy, universal experience, is love. Do you know why? Because it helps you to step out of your boundaries. To start with its love for the family, then friends, then of course other family which we form. We go back to the family, <laughs> remain stuck to the family. But uh, then, you know, love for larger things like nation, love for an ideal, love for humanity, love for God. These are the things that free us. So, uh, however, just to cut the story short because we have to, you know, everybody's question. So I got a different insight about this story once. And that insight was that, you know, Narcissus is looking into the pool and he is preoccupied with his image. Now, but to find his true self, he must drown and die to the ego. 
that is how i understood the story i don't know whether the author wrote with this idea or not that if you are preoccupied with your image the ego self you don't find the true self inside but when you die to the ego you find the true self and in the closing there is a beautiful story in indian mythology and all this would indicate that how far and deep indian thought has gone unlike this superficial way of understanding uh, you know in a classical western psychology so there are these two uh, seekers uh, virochan and indra and they want to know the self so they go to brahma brahma ji please tell me about the self so he tells that well nothing you look into my eyes and what you see is your self so both look into their eyes and find a reflection of their physical attributes physical body and they go back now virochan goes and declared that i have found the self the self is the body and he follows a line of growth where body and whatever is connected to the body is the self so that is what is called in indian thought as dey atma bodh and that is the hallmark of asura so you see narcissistic anti social of course these words are misleading but they all fall in the same spectrum whereas indra goes and he, he says but self is supposed to be stable my body is changing every body is changing how can it be the self so he goes back and he goes back and he goes back several times he goes back finally he discovered the true self which is unchanging stable behind all the mutable changes of creation so all narcissists may be advised die to yourself one way is listen to goldmore and <laughs> learn to love if not jump and die to the ego then you will discover what you are seeking okay yeah as a matter of fact it is true it is the same thing like when people are asked that whatever happens in the world because it is implied within is the best that happens you know we often say so but if we take this to its logical conclusion then we would end up you know <laughs> horrors happen in this world and we may find ourselves in states uh, you know like the nazi concentration camp so where we meant to be now one all that we can say is that we are where we have meant to be due to a whole totality of um, things that have happened and that totality of things uh, can be analyzed as uh, you know one's own actions and various kinds of cosmic forces which are acting much like when einstein uh, and his friend were going and einstein's head struck a branch which was bending down and his he suddenly stopped and his friend said what happened to you why have you stopped are you hurt he said no 
So he said, then what happened? He says, the whole universe conspired to create this event. Now, that is true <laughs> that every event has behind it a whole trail. But then we take it that who meant it to be this way? That's where the problem lies. I am where I am, but is it the divine who wanted me to be here? Is it the highest wisdom that wanted me to be here? Now here comes this idea about Indian thought that there is a divine will which is impelling beings, forces, energies, cosmic movements to the most individual worm. But what is its purpose? It's not just for us to be meant to be in a particular place, but it is taking things towards a great grand event. So this static understanding of life, where you are, where you should be, uh, does may explain, you know, can be explained by what you wear. But then where are you going? It's an important question. Are you really going somewhere? So if I am here at this point of time, it will make sense only if I am also told that's where you are being led. That's number one. Otherwise, this information has no meaning. I am on the railway platform. I wake up and suddenly find that I am on the railway platform. And where I am I? So, you know, Nobareki Last Local. Heard about that. There was a movie like that. So, you are just on the platform. You don't know. Now, where you have to go is important. So, that's one. Now, up till now, our journey is led unconsciously. What is called in... Um, the yogic parlance is a lower nature which carries us. Lower nature means ignorant nature. Blindly we are carried. Why? Because we are not ready for the light and the sight. So when we are carried blindly by mechanisms of nature, we are often like a toy who is being pushed here and there. But a time comes when you find yourself in a state and it's like a prison and you don't want to be pushed by all kinds of forces and be their plaything. That's when a new journey starts. Meaning thereby, you were where you were meant to be, but it is not that this was the only option. At several points of time, there were several options before us. We chose a particular curve and we ended up here. And we were allowed, this freedom is allowed. But now when you become conscious, a new journey starts. If we continue with this impulsion, we may find ourselves on those horizontal spots. And again, we'll say we are where we were meant to be. But it's possible that you take another course of action, another line of advance and completely change what is going to happen. So this uh, happens by what we can call as the power of attitude, right attitude. So mother gives an example that supposing you are in front of her and this is a typical dilemma. I was sharing my story in the morning. No? That you are supposing you are in front of an assassin, a terrorist. Now how is this going to help us that I am where I am meant to be? Should I like those days when you know 91 massacre which they show in Kashmiri, Kashmir files which are really true events I must say. Because I have known these things um, used to read a little bit of that should you just say that I am here because well that's where I am meant to be and become food and fodder to the terrorist or should you now take that right attitude and if you have the right attitude change these circumstances so because when we say I am here because it's a host of circumstances so that's where we see Arjuna's dilemma Arjuna is meant to be there. It is true. 
but he can make a choice of withdrawing from that place he can make a choice of succumbing he can make a choice of fighting half heartedly he can make a choice of fighting like a kshatriya or he can make a choice of submitting completely to the divine will so what we need to understand in this world there is originally one will one power one knowledge which is divine will but there are several several little little wills which are operating in this world which keep on distorting it and deflecting it so the end result is a chaos this chaos is used by this deeper wisdom to still impel our journey forward but it is not necessary for the journey to be impelled forward through pain suffering and disorder so that's why the significance of conscious choices because one way of looking at it is that i am a helpless victim i am here because that's how i am meant to be as you rightly said that then okay i have nothing to do the other is that whatever be the reason why i am here i am here is a fact where do i go from here that's where we grow in consciousness we make choices so there are two things are we going to be helpless before circumstances and simply accept it or we take charge of circumstances by taking charge of our own life so from the spiritual perspective you have been given a certain degree of freedom and choices through which we move now question about absolute freedom is a different story altogether but even within ignorance you have a number of choices still even in ignorance agreed there is no absolute freedom but even in ignorance and finally i'll close with this example savitri ends up choosing satyavan who is to die now she is where she is meant to be but why she was meant to be there she was meant to be there so so that she can conquer death and establish a very highest ideal of love lord rama finds himself in dandakaranya for no fault of his he is meant to be yes but why so that he can fulfill his mission of bhuvarharan see how it operates Sita is in Ashokvatika. She is where she is meant to be. But why? Because her presence will bring in Rama, and very justly destroy a whole kingdom built on greed and arrogance. If Sita doesn't stay there, there is, you know, Rama is a, you know, he can't just go and suddenly fight. So there has to be a reason. So we have to also know why am I here. where i am and where i am going from there not just ignorant acceptance but why i am where i am and the only one single reason is to grow evolve in wisdom and strength if you find yourself opposed and oppressed by 10000 forces know that it is to increase our power and strength 100000 times try strive even if you do not succeed still you have grown in that power and power which comes with you as a gift that's how the evolutionary journey works and the circumstances are given which are different okay so it is to grow in wisdom to grow in strength to become more conscious okay so we have discussed in our previous sessions about um, the explanation of psychological disorders from a spiritual perspective in terms of asuric forces how do we connect the biological changes that accompany this okay very good question um so 
because there is a whole line of understanding which you know it's called as biological psychiatry so you understand everything based on molecular changes nowadays even genetic changes we can go one step further what can the fellow do he was born huh? so there is genetics there are molecular changes and so can we really what is the meaning of saying asuric forces and all because ultimately it's all biological so now there was an old paradigm old world thought which divided world into two realities one was material the other was spiritual okay this is the paradigm which science has followed rene descartes you know you reduce things to but today we are going we are living in an age of synthesis where we want to understand the right place of all of this so there is a material aspect of reality there is a spiritual dimension of reality and there are all the realms in between which are called as occult and psychological now the whole question is whether this material causes the change or it is the original cause is the inner aspects which impact upon the molecular changes meaning thereby is it that because the molecules were misbehaving that the person behaves like a demon and a gaul or because inside this was his state which led to molecular changes now this uh, brings in a new dimension altogether and i'll just share with you one of the experiments that was done way back you will find it mentioned sanger he had done an experiment on stress so uh, what he did was he took two groups of people one were in several other experiments of this kind have been done but i am just quoting one of them he took them in uh, one was put in a room where a horror movie was being shown uh, not a good experiment okay but anyways the other was put in a room where a comedy was shown and both were injected the same amount of minuscule doses of adrenaline you can't do it today but you know uh, they were administered very small dosage so what does adrenaline do it makes your heart beat fast and your pulse rate goes up your blood pressure goes up in ordinary circumstances when this happens you get fear anxiety you know heart is beating fast now after this whole thing was over they took their experiences those who were experiencing horror felt several times over horrified but those who were watching a comedy felt several times over happy so was it the material thing or was it primarily the psychological state the priming so that's how placebo effect works that's how you know people have been even study why placebo effect is still you know in the realm of um, okay possible but actual studies where people were given immunosuppressant one of them is methotrexate so it suppresses your immune system it's given in things like rheumatoid arthritis and certain autoimmune disorder because too much immunity is also bad in corona both led to problems one was the hyperimmune response which caused lung inflammation so when you when uh, these two groups were one was given actual immunosuppressant and the other group was given uh, that time saccharin now of course we don't use it and both were told that you are being given immunosuppressant okay and uh, the group obviously didn't meet each other they didn't know what is being administered double blind study and even in the group which was given saccharin actually the immune system came down it showed a reduction of all the cells significant enough 
Now what was happening? The mind was in that state that it is the I am being given immunosuppressant. You are in all. You have to experience this. Your immune system will come down, and it happened. There are several examples. Norman Cousins' book, Anatomy of an Illness. Even the recent, see this understanding and change the way we perceive the world. So when Shirvindu was asked about uh, flu, flu once a wave of influenza. By the way, flu is something which keeps coming. Ah, huh? every ten, twenty years, you keep having new strains. So, <laughs> so. Uh, there was a flu epidemic at that point of time also thankfully there were no tv news and trps and all this so shubindu was asked he said in all these infections there are three things one is the material substrate the protein or whatever you call it a virus then there is a bad suggestion a bad will somewhere somewhere it has generated the not you can't perceive it but it's there in this after all we know what is a bad will and good will within us and then along with that there is fear so it is through this material medium within the body molecules fear and bad will is being injected so there is a double contagion okay so what i'm trying to say is in short that molecular changes are there but whether the molecular changes were primary and caused the disorder or there was already a psychological process developing which led to the molecular changes and there are lot of studies i don't want to turn it into a proper psychiatry lecture i'm holding myself back lot of studies to tilt the balance in favor of that molecular understand molecular changes are subsequent thing but one last thing that if so how do medicines help so what do they do now here we have to understand that the body is nothing but an instrument and this instrument is responds to a host of cosmic forces and i can give just small example somebody gives a nice gesture even your body feels a nice little wave passing over it somebody uh, gets angry so you start feeling like shrinking inside isn't it that you become rigid you become Uh, joyous all this is being experienced even at the molecular level you can study it so the body is like a instrument which is open to whole sort of cosmic forces asuric and devic and all others uh, habitually we are much more open to asuric forces that's a different story altogether and when it when we how do these forces enter into the body that's where you have the subtle nervous channels which are known as yoga uh, yogi to yogis as nadis they're in the subtle body that's the subtle signs so through these nadis they enter and this is the nervous system through which they enter all sensations will eventually enter through the nervous system and through this nervous system they will influence the brain how there are molecular gates provided by nature and we have happily kept them wide open so once they invade it becomes very difficult so what do these drugs do they actually close the molecular gates now pharmaceutical industry doesn't talk about all this not even interested in looking at this dimension because it has a big market you close these gates and what happens temporarily you are relieved if it was only molecular then you should be cured but you are not cured ask any psychiatrist do you cure if you ask me as a doctor we cure only 10% of illnesses 
and that too because the body decides to be cured which includes a whole host of illnesses if your body immunity doesn't want you to get cured you try anything you won't get cured so basically what we do is allow a temporary respite now during that respite the task of a psychiatrist or a counselor is to help the person discover the inner aspects due to which life is subject to you know all these problems and if he discovers and if he learns the process of sealing it then things will change so that's why you have yoga uh, and of course there are host of other things associated but we'll stop with that yeah okay who is there manvi one question I wanted to ask that there is this whole uh, list of work that Sri Aurobindo and mother has done, and when we are trying to understand it from the perspective of Indian psychology, what should be a good way to approach it? Mother, mother and Sri Aurobindo's work? Yes, to break into charms and to understand it better. Uh, I would give one simple answer: read Sri Aurobindo directly. You will understand Indian psychology better after reading. Shurbinder and the mother, and this I am saying from direct experience. I have read host of Western psychology. I am qualified in that actually, and a host of philosophies, including all the Indian philosophical textbooks, which includes Vedmimansas, Upanishads, Gita. Before reading Shurbinder, and frankly, they made sense, but not the sense that I was looking for. Ramayana and Mahabharata were wonderful. it's after reading shrubindo then a completely new understanding came why because indian psychology is not born of rational thought it's born of spiritual experience spiritual experience belongs to a different category so you have these different domains of experiencing thing there is the physical that we know then there is the vital we experience things through the vital even when the body is not experiencing many things ambition love desire all the all of these are experiences and energy forms as vibrations in the vital likes dislikes many such things then there is the intellectual domain where there is thought analysis as you said breaking into chunks recombining analyzing rationalizing etc this process belongs to the mind and it is valid in its own domain but then there is spiritual where there is a direct understanding revelation inspiration intuition insight so the only way to understand indian psychology and that's the way that ved upanishad rishis have followed is to grow in the spiritual consciousness then get back and read it it'll carry a new meaning so when you read the gita as a uh, from the purely intellectual perspective i have read books you know articles i don't want to name well known psychiatrists he said it is uh, uh, about student teacher relationship so krishna is a teacher and arjuna is a student and then that's okay fair enough but then the divine teacher is reduced to a human teacher who is using psychological processes to ultimately pop up arjuna and make him fight you know, the whole thing is missed or the whatsapp gyan of the gita that you know jo hua acha hua jo hoga acha hoga jo ho raha acha hai bina kisi desire ke kaam karo so but it's logical that's how people understand but the gita is completely missed if you don't bring in the grand vision of shri krishna on the kurukshetra you know it is very difficult for people to understand that without that one chapter 11 it is the key to the gita 
That is Sri Krishna. Every time he speaks about divine. So what has happened in rational understanding of Indian psychology is that especially from the Western context and our own Indians who want to, you know, who on one side are very proud that we have, but they don't want to bring in the divine. So it is called, in my, I use this language, it is psychology without a soul. And you know where the word psyche, psyche of psychology comes in? It comes from the Greek word psyche, which means the soul. So it is the science of the soul and you cannot know the soul by a part which has no clue about it. So the best way is read Shurabindo, take up the life of uh, yoga if one is really sincere and serious. And then as you grow, you will, um, uh, you know, things will become very clear. One of the simplest ways to uh, enter into the world of Indian psychology through a book of Shurabindo is Asses on the Gita. It's a kind of compendium of psychology, if you want one book. Uh, but other than Shurabindo, if you ask me, I have told this to MD student, they ask, sir, is psychology, where did you read it? So I tell them, throw away all other books, read the Mahabharata, you will understand psychology much better. And I mean it. There is everything, all personality type, psychosis, neurosis, <laughs> which is so limited after you read it. But um, read um, letters on yoga of Shurabindo. That is another very beautiful place. Read the mother, her conversations. You will understand all about human psychology in the simplest and best possible way. But always know that reading always carries a limitation unless you put it into practice. So just like any other textbook of psychology, put into practice the little you read and you will develop new insights into Indian psychology. But truncated Indian psychology where you discuss everything, I have yet to um, attend a conference, now of course for quite some years I have stopped attending, where you have a talk on something like the divine and giving yourself to the divine. No, it's not allowed. No, If at all you have something closest, they talk about planes of consciousness. Even supramental, there will be a conference and seminar on supermind. While we are being undermined by the mind, we are talking about the supermind. So let's bring in what we are missing in life and in studies. Lastly, you know, there is a very interesting story I have told several times, so I won't repeat. Narada and Sanat Suja Kumar. But the story ends with this note that there is a description of Brahman. There are many descriptions. One of them is very interesting. By knowing which all else can be known. Seek that truth. Seek that reality. Let people laugh at you. So much the better for you and so much the worse for them. Seek it. What is it, divine soul? So let's take up only meditation and mindfulness and heartfulness. No. Seek the divine. If we don't know the highest, then all our understanding will be flawed. Doesn't matter how much time it takes. It's not a three-year course where a degree is given. Now you have found the divine certified. I am... Gurudev and I am Swami so and so look at one sim- beautiful thing about Shurabindo. He never put anything before his name as a suff- prefix. Sri is also not a honorific, it is his full name is Shurabindo. 
You won't even find people say, use the name Mahayogi, Maharishi, Shubhindri. All his books, just Shubhindri. It doesn't matter. So be a knower through realization. Make it real. Indian psychology is about that. Okay? So these are of course uh, short answers. Uh, any of you who wants longer answers, most welcome to write. Who is next? Where is? Ah, yes. <laughs> Sir, in life we make a lot of promises to ourselves and uh, goals, however big or small. But when it when time comes to practice them, to make effort towards it, we fell short somewhere. We don't make efforts, and mostly it's conscious. So where do we lack? Where do we make effort? There is a great quality. When we make a goal, I am not now talking about promises, huh? that whether making promises is a sensible thing or not. Generally, it is not. Because, you know, promises you make in ignorance, you grow, you outgrow. That's why, you know, Sri Krishna in the entire thing made one promise. What was the promise he made? He said, Sarva Dharman, Man Mana Bhav Mad Bhakta, Madhyaji Manamas Guru. Then he says, Sarva Dharman Parityaja, Mami Kam Sharnam Raja, Aam Tva Sarva Papibhya, Mokshi Shami Masucha. No other promise that nobody will die in your family, you know, I'll save everybody. So we make promises, definitely. So rather, yes, what is true is goals. That is true. Now, what we lack generally, there is a word, a quality which is um, very important to cultivate, and that is sincerity. And uh, sometimes goals shift. We quickly, you know, change goals. But it's good to, when you set a goal, even if you meet with obstacles, it's a very good practice to keep on striving towards it. If nothing else, perseverance will develop. So this is something which has to be practiced. And the reason why we do not do it is, one is insincerity, second is of course laziness, that's one of the biggest problems and uh, strangely intelligent people are often more lazy because uh, they believe that they can get things. They will end up doing things, which is so true. <laughs> but uh, whatever goal and one simple practice is, uh, leave aside the big goals or the small goals. Whatever you are doing, do it with Tanmayata. It may be reading a passage. So I was today only listening something very interesting. Some people, you know, read Savitri and just send. So one Savitri reading, again good with Dil Se, Lekin Jald Baji Hai Thodi. And the other one, oh, that reading was so beautiful because that child was, you know, flowing with it, you know. Those few minutes were ethereal. It may be anything, sweeping the floor, it may be, you know, arranging your cupboard. Do it with Tanmayata, that total concentration. It's difficult, especially for people who live in the mind. For me, it was difficult. Still, to an extent, uh, physical things don't come so easily. But whenever I have done it, I have felt a great joy. And it is some a very good practice. If you get into the habit of doing it, then whatever you are doing, whatever goals you keep, that's why... People often say, teach us a method of concentration. So, the first thing is, develop the capacity of concentration. Otherwise, one won't be able to concentrate. And concentration, there is a very beautiful word in Hindi called Ekagrita. To become one. 
So if if you are you know dancing, dance as if only God is around. If you are singing, what people will say, not say, how they will judge you, forget everything. Sing for the joy of singing. If you are speaking, you are listening, you are cleaning the floor. Anything, if you are conversing with someone, if you are studying a book, during that moment, you should become completely with the book. So practice this concentration in all activities and put the mind there and thought there in concentration. Then this will happen. So goals, then whatever goal one chooses, one automatically transfers that capacity onto the goal. To practice perseverance, concentration, focus in everything. Okay? Yes, next. Or koi nahi beech mein, haan. Okay. Theek hai, haan. सच बात है इसके दो उत्तर है two answers <laughs> one is that when we let life move by the flow of the currents of life which most people do then this is the natural outcome because the flow of life and its currents will never be the same so one day it will be very nice another day it will be and we are at its mercy so we experience it so first thing is to learn to step back from the currents of life and say that now how to do it currents of life higher than the currents of life is the mind so the mind should be able to say no i consciously choose to be happy instead of being driven i wake up in the morning and today i have this it's bringing uh, unhappiness wave of unhappiness no i choose to be happy this comes by learning to step back and making your conscious choices and imposing upon life this is one of the practice of yoga actually before we discover the soul the mind should be able to modify the responses otherwise there are habitual responses okay this is one and second thing is a very practical thing start your day with gratitude it's a wonderful way to open the inner doors whatever may be happening you have been given a day to progress to <laughs> to take one step towards your dreams one step towards your ideal start with gratitude if you have gratitude in the heart i can tell you assuredly you will always be happy gratitude comes most readily with faith now faith is a gift you can't say start your day with faith because you have it or you don't have it but gratitude you can consciously have why gratitude 100 reasons simplest is you have another day to do things to take the challenge of life to change something which you wanted to change and couldn't change yesterday you made a reaction which was not the you had a reaction which was not the right response start your day with gratitude then you will see 100 reasons why we should be grateful
from the fact that it's another day given to us to the fact that there is sunshine then everything you know if there is rain there is joy if there are clouds there is joy and if there is heat there is joy why because everything brings uh, this sense of gratitude to cultivate this sense of gratitude one of the simplest ways is if you have a garden nearby walk into the garden if you don't have have some flowering plants if you don't have a flowering plant or even a pet any plant go near the plant and look at its you know sometimes they give this first bud of flower you know kompal kya kehte hain english mein see my english is that first um, outbreak of life in a flower that's how savitri describes it so <laughs> like the first outbreak of life in a plant so you will see have you noticed how plants uh, in the morning uh, first little leaf is coming up the new leaf look at it and suddenly it carries within it some magic all nature's energy and the sun and the and the divine presence has suddenly created this little tiny little thing which is so beautiful and uh, when you look at these little touches of nature the dew drops and you'll you'll feel your heart is filled with gratitude gratitude will open the heart to joy love is of course love faith are powerful things but love is a rarity and wonder yet in human hearts so i don't want to use the word to profane <laughs> i do believe what shelley said that's more often profaned and um, faith is a gift of grace if it is there nurture it it's a blessing but gratitude is something we all can experience consciously yes are don't pa last mm. okay okay <laughs> <laughs> so sir um i so certain institutions like how i see the uh, a system of arranged marriages and like how i've seen around myself i feel that it's been generations after generations and it's been bringing a lot of suffering and pain to everyone involved and lifelong lasting uh, so then how to go about it and why is Uh, about institutions first of all i must tell you all institutions which were built by the mind old world are breaking down they will break including schools including colleges including the way we work all of them are going to break because the mind doesn't know how to organize life but it has done they had their purpose so this is not to say they didn't have a purpose they had their purpose in the old world order and they are going to break as a new psychology is emerging a greater self so uh, the institutions of the future before i come to marriage as an institution the institution of the future will have to allow for a great degree of freedom and plasticity and wideness otherwise they won't last because suddenly uh, see before this largely especially in indian context Uh, society actually by and large everywhere in some way or the other even in a rational society so it was the social society which decided what an individual should be but now because of the supramental influx because of the emergence of the psychic in the forefront it has gone through 
uh, a lack years of evolution journey so the psychic being is now wanting to come out at least in a reasonable number of individuals so there is a stress not only on the ego individuality of the western type but the need for space to freedom to make choices and any institution which doesn't allow it will collapse very badly time has destroyed it god has destroyed it you can't revive it if you try to revive it will be like daksh prajapati's head stitched backward so the fellow doesn't know whether he is moving forward or backward marriage is one of those institution which has outlived its purpose it had its purpose in a society where you needed to create a kind of order so khute se band diya sorry to say this was the language i always found it so absurd लड़की बड़ी हो गई है खूंटे से बांध दो हाउ हॉरेबल इट इज इट्स ओके यूल गो थ्रू एक्सपीरियंसिस ऑफ लाइफ बट इवेंचुअली मैरिज शुड बी एन एक्ट ऑफ लव एंड नॉट अ लीगल डॉक्यूमेंट ओके नॉट अ थिंग सोशल कंपल्शन सो इन टाइम्स टू कम मैरिज एज ए लीगल फ्रेमवर्क विल गो अवे द लीगल फ्रेमवर्क इज नेसेसरी ओनली फॉर इनहेरिटेंस बट ए टाइम विल कम वेन यू वॉन्ट इनहेरिट प्रॉपर्टी maybe 100 years 50 years down the line take it in writing so in that case i am not talking of you know uh, government will take away your land and that's <laughs> not the chinese socialistic system but a time will come we are approaching that time even children will reject there are these children nowadays they say we don't care about uh, what we inherit from you we want to do it in our own way it doesn't matter and there is a joy in that you know that you build things together okay so marriage is dated it is broken that's why you see more and more people live in one advantage is that you know if they don't get well together they can separate amicably every divorce case that i know of and i know quite a few where people have gone into divorce and they keep asking me bhaiya aap kya kare so is it why did you enter into this big uljhan so i say unless you want to get legally remarried don't get into this it's a terrible thing mess real mess falsehood has its uh, what shall i say free play in the court rooms where divorce cases are sought and land grab these are the two areas you will see you have a land go to the court you will end up 30 years trying to prove that this is your land and somebody has grabbed it the niyam will be jiska patta not they don't say jiski laati uski bhais jiska patta uski land oh patta can be transferred very easily you know all your money and all this is no meaning your papers so land is one area and second is divorce the calumny the false things and i mean god save those who go to courts for divorce if you cannot separate amicably then just start your life it's okay nobody can force you or compel you to stay see that is the loophole so yeah you have a right to discover you will make mistakes that's the but who has ever learnt in life without making mistakes and what the use of learning after making mistakes and then saying i'll stay on with the mistake that's a double folly now i'm not saying you will ever find happiness within the human frame you won't 
But having gone through that, you will be much better equipped to turn these emotions toward the divine. Then if you drag on and give it nice names, I am doing my duty. Wonderful names we have used. So, you don't have to worry about how to navigate. Time spirit has broken it. And whatever is left, another, I don't know, it's a very slow process, couple of decades, 70 the mother said, the old family system is going to get dissolved. She spoke of that. Because it had its purpose, but it has become a constraint. In a certain sense, even Sri Krishna dissolved all this idea of kul, tribe. He spoke about a larger unit. So, don't have to. But what is important is, when old order breaks, there are two possibilities. One is you gravitate towards the animal kind. That also is happening. No marriage, therefore, we live together in just for biological needs and all kinds of things. Sexual partners, I have heard words like, uh, what is it called? Uh, workplace spouse. I said, what is this? Work spouse. So I discovered that the girl with whom, woman with whom you want to work in your work area. So that is called work spouse. It is a horrifying term. So, um, but you will have that. There will be many people who were sticking along only because the lease was tied. <laughs> they celebrate their freedom like Moses, the slaves when they were freed from Ramses. They started living chaotically. They will gravitate towards animal kind. Anyways, holding them forcibly by human bonds. But there will be few who will evolve, take a leap because of this change. And nature does that. It has broken those old forms. But it doesn't mean now I live according to my desire and fancies. Whomever I like, I catch and leave. It means now I'll try to cultivate the energy of love in its purest, most beautiful form. And you'll make few mixes and matches and mistakes and errors. That's part of growing up. They're not mistakes. They're learning processes. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, when it comes to human life, it can be painful. It is painful either which way. If you try to avoid pain and suffering, you can't really, you know. So turn all such things into opportunity for growth. Okay. You get suffering. Do not consciously inflict suffering upon others. Try to, you know, avoid it. But if it comes to yourself, use it as an opportunity to grow in wisdom and strength. Don't invite suffering. But suffering will come a certain amount of quota in life. No evolution without suffering. Accept it with humility, accept it with gratitude, accept it as a challenge to grow inwardly. Okay? Huh? We say that rituals and a strict aesthetic way of life is not needed for spiritual advancement. As if one is actually spiritually advanced, he wouldn't need those um, rituals and he wouldn't naturally be <coughs> distracted by the world. But until one has grown spiritually to an extent, until one has gained that much of control over senses and ego and everything, wouldn't he be confused if he doesn't set some kind of rules or some discipline in his life? Maybe he wouldn't be able to know that what he is doing is driven by some higher goal or it is just to please the senses. So, doesn't those rituals or some kind of discipline or anything if taken up seriously and not superficially, 
doesn't it help? And if it does, how, I mean, what is the correct way to approach it? Okay, good question. So, you see, uh, it's not that you have to break rituals, become an iconoclast, break the idols because it's Budparasti. It doesn't mean that. Uh, first, we must understand it is a stage. That part is clear. As you have rightly said, it's a stage. Don't take it as a final truth. If you take it as a final truth, then there is a problem. Then problems are if you have not done the fasting for the Navdurgas then you don't believe in the Divine Mother. That should not be there. We should understand that Durga Puja is inside. And when you worship her inside, tie her with your threads of devotion and faith, you will never ever think of casting her away. Also, when you have discovered her inside, when you really see her manifestation outside, even in the form of a Vigraha, you will bow down. But not as an act of ritual, but as an act of recognition and love. Okay, though it may look like a ritual. So this is the second part. Third is ritual vis-a-vis spiritual. We must understand that there are several lines through which human beings move towards the spiritual evolution. Religion is only one of them. And when we speak about rituals, we normally speak about religion. Of course, everything has its ritual. Science has its ritual. You want to understand? See, when people go to operate, do surgery... You know, there is a whole ritual that, you know, you have to, I mean, I, I can tell you first time. So, first time going for surgery, we are very excited. Ah, we'll do some practice. So, we are just quickly washing the hands. No, immediately you want to wash and you are taught by the sister there. Put your hands like this. Why? Because the water must drain like this. You want to clean the body? Body part, sorry. Yeah. So, you pick up clean up that portion so you want to clean no you start cleaning from the center to the periphery it applies even to utensils <laughs> absolutely mother taught this in the dining room how to clean a vessel so ritual is simply an act which as you rightly said organizes life better is the right way of doing things so to that extent it's okay but one should not be tied to the ritual so that new things when they come up, you should have space and uh, you know flexibility for that. That's the second part. Now I come to religion. Rituals belong to a, a, an initial stage of approach towards the divine. And that's why if you see Tantra Puja where maximum rituals come from Tantra, you have that three levels at which you have the worship. One is the physical the actual idol and you have the ritual. Second is Manas Puja. Heard about it? Manas Puja is where you... That's why you may break all the idols but how do you break here? Chabi is here. So some people take the extreme step of breaking even that and only talk about impersonal. They miss the point. So anyways, that's a different um, you know, discussion altogether. So idols are concrete way of connecting. Then there is the inner representation of what the idol represents. So you have the idol of Krishna, idol of Krishna, so beautiful. And now you have this idea that Krishna is nothing but a miracle doer. So what has happened? You have superimposed upon the vastness of Sri Krishna the littleness of our mind. Okay. So that's why it's important always to have the inner corrective. Who is Krishna? Krishna is the one who draws our souls by the call of his flute towards freedom and delight. 
and love and beatitude that's krishna so now when you apply this in life wherever there is the you know uplifting of love i'll rather ask this question will krishna be happy if we do pranam to him do the janmashtami and come out and say uh, you know in our mutual relation bring a strong egoistic tendencies what will make krishna more happy now in indian thought it is understood see what happened in islam i have been advised by people not to talk too much about it <laughs> but it's a fact in the name of allah you are doing things which are any person with little common sense will understand but it is being done why because you read the book followed a ritual and you forgot the meaning so that's how you know you have bakri where you cut a bakra it's sacrificing the animal inside you similarly you have in the also bhaisa you know the buffalo what does buffalo represent buffalo is you see it's a very dull obscure consciousness that's why there is a saying in hindi bhais ke aage bin bajao bhais khadi pag raha hai it doesn't respond you have you experienced stopping a vehicle and doing on <laughs> buffalo doesn't that's why mahisasur dull obscure dark consciousness you have to slay it at the altar of spiritual effort so now see the problem where ritual becomes predominant and primary but as i said religion is still only one approach how does science approach the divine science approaches the divine by seeking for truth true science not pseudo science seeking of truth and seeking of truth has its own rituals you look at a scientist the way he works in a laboratory what a perfection and all great scientists develop a sense of the mysterious and the mystic occultism is another way that you approach the divine how thoughts and feelings have an effect upon myself and others so you start approaching you know that's the elementary occult and of course through the doors of spiritual experience and realization so religion is only one approach and not everybody is meant to approach the divine through religion it's a good approach because it involves the heart easier simpler but it is also an approach which has led to so much blindness not in indian context because we were saved because of the way sanatan dharma believes in evolution and it has all these gradations physical puja murti puja bahya puja that's how it is called manasik puja and then adhyatmikali you know you take up the principle and you unite with it but wherever religious rituals were not combined with this inner knowledge or evolution look at the chaos it has created slaying inquisitions in the name of christ who said forgive them for they know not what they are doing so it's okay if people want to follow ritual nothing wrong with that one thing is clear that nobody should try that kind of you know what was done that no 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 ritual should be banned nothing should be banned you allow this banning should be only where things are harmful for others your way of life it is injurious to others it's dangerous you smoke finish your lungs your choice you smoke in somebody else's presence and hurt his lungs 
punishable offense. I mean, talking of civilization. Okay. Similarly, if your ritual is okay, you worship in your room, do whatever you want to do. But if you disturb people's sleep in the morning or block a road, it is certainly no civil society would allow it. So this is where we must understand rituals are individual. Each one has his own ritual. Like you see here at the ashram, some bow at the samadhi, some stand like this, some do pranam, some just stand very nicely on that little pillar. Have you seen people? And they are just looking at the samadhi. Some pick up a little flower, somewhere manage to hide it in the pocket and offer it. <laughs> it's okay. Individual rituals are there, each one with their own. But it should not be something which should be enforced. The moment you enforce, it becomes a uh, farcical thing. Then after some time, people are bound to forget its real sense. They will take this as the real thing and that's where the danger lies. Fortunately, in the Sanatan Dharma context, because we have allowed all these several lines and we have allowed for evolutionary um, you know, movement in the story of Dashavatar and spiritual multiple approaches toward the divine. So it, the risk is not there. And in India, it was always like that. See, rituals are very individual processes. Even if a group does it, it's their problem. But don't do it forcing on others and don't do something which is a public nuisance. That's <laughs> let everybody sleep morning in peace. Don't try to, you know... Uh, Disturb everybody's sleep in the name. We are waking them up. It's good to wake up at five. Okay, five. Okay, that's. Bye, sir. <laughs> you must be ready with your question. I like everything. I can do everything. I for example, given my views, I can get to know different perspective and still not have something concrete about it. And uh, work on different things and still not know what you really want. Good question. So basically the mind, it's very good to your credit if you can widen the mind and understand different standpoints. It's a very good thing. Uh, mind must develop that wideness and plasticity is very good and it helps you even in life because you don't take that that rigid stand so you understand each one has his own place and right but then what you will choose that choice mind cannot make most of the time mind is ignorant for that you have to consult your heart so in the depths of the heart not the superficial heart that is the emotional heart jumps at things Ha ha, ye karte hai, bahut achcha hai. No. Let that ha ye karte hai, bahut achcha hai, quiet and down. Don't jump at appearances. But wait, wait, allow, let all this excitement settle down. Then you will see that your heart will give a sense of a, a feeling of a quiet inner, not even joy, but something that resembles it, but very quiet. I should do this. Take that course. But the mind must understand that this is my course. It doesn't mean others should take. So, mind should be wide. It's very good to understand everybody's viewpoints. One of the great qualities. Okay. And all good leaders have it. But leaders also have something 
that they know what they want exactly and for that only your heart can tell you the right indication and if the heart doesn't if the heart will never jump and say hey, yes no don't go by that let that excitement settle down because there are two hearts within us okay one is the heart prone to bitterness and the other is a sweet heart okay <laughs> so <laughs> the bitter goat heart is the one which uh, keeps flip flopping you feel suddenly a rush of excitement and the heart says yes this is what i meant to do and after some time it starts petering down but there is a deeper heart which is always a sweet heart it will always very gently quietly lead you through all the challenges if there is a challenge it will not hold grudges and bitterness because it knows that all these short term things are not the issue you are expressing yourself a typical example one of the examples is of rafael the painter so uh, you know when he was <laughs> making paintings such beautiful painting nobody would appreciate did he give up painting no he continued he was for the joy of it live life like that you know so then one day some milliner came to his house and when you do a painting your palette has those scrapings no so you put it on you have an empty canvas on which you uh, just put the palette just to make it you know so that fellow goes to that and says oh this is so wonderful i'll pay a million dollars for it now this fellow was in poverty <laughs> i didn't have a heart to say but this is my palette scrapings he was ready to pay modern art that's how it was born so you know i mean not that way. it was born as a uh, i don't want to use the word but as a child of uh, you know vichitra uh, parentage yatharthva anyways that's you know, let's not get into painters will take offense but the point is that you pursue something which your heart deepest heart but if you allow success and failure ambition money to come in it's a virus that will never let you take the correct decision they are viruses so if you do this will you get enough money well we don't know you may or you may not get it's okay and not that you should do something where you don't want but money may come it may not come but you will have the joy of having lived a life which is true and sincere to yourself so don't allow the virus of desire and its uh, company ambition and others to uh, the success greed i know people who are not living their life and they are very unhappy but they are outwardly successful so follow this deepest self it requires tremendous courage sometimes and it's not about the job you do it's about what expresses you best by job and expressing your best i mean you you take uh, joy you get joy in serving others and you know you want to tend the sick let's say for example now you can tend the sick in a number of ways you don't necessarily have to have an mbbs md degree but becoming a doctor is a different matter altogether so feel inside deep within what is the evolutionary angst in you take that as a indication follow it doesn't matter that's what is the gita 
says swadharmo swadharmo the seat of swadharma is here swadharmo nidhanam shriya paridharmo bhayavaha okay so thank you so much and of course tuma to baad mein le lenge so of course uh, for all of you you can you will write any time because it's a short 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 capsules okay yeah